Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, and sitting here with Scott Real and Anna Bryant, and today's episode is actually a continue, continuation of our last episode, which was on healthy relationship, but we want to take it a little further today, and we want to talk about healthy sexuality and how our society is sexually uh, saturated and yet can also be largely dysfunctional at intimacy. So today's conversation may not be appropriate for all listeners, so if you are with some little ears and <laughs> you need to pause this and listen to it later or shut it off in your car for another moment, uh, this is your fair warning to do that. But perhaps the best place to start today is with you two, Anna and, and Scott, your individual experience of uh, how sexuality was first introduced to you guys, and what messages did you carry with you through adolescence that shaped and defined sexuality for you? So we'll start with you, Scott. Where did you first hear about intimacy, or where did your understanding of sexuality begin for you? Well, you know, it's interesting the way you ask that question, because I was just thinking I was never introduced to intimacy. I never was taught intimacy. I was never, it was never modeled to me. Um, and I wouldn't even be able to define the word if I heard it. But sex, I immediately, gosh, so, um, my dad had some magazines that he, that he had hidden that I found. Um, and I was way too little to comprehend um, the impact that that was going to have on me. How, and, how were you, Scott? Well, you... I was little, so I don't know. Eight, nine. Wow. Yeah. And um, um, and so what was introduced to me was lust. And because the, the images um, had a profound, you know, effect on me, especially. And so and then in junior high, you know, we had a class on uh, in health on sex and just learned some of the physiological part of it. And then, that was during Vietnam War, um, guys had brothers that were over there, and they would bring pictures back of their brothers who, who were acting out with prostitutes. And, and we'd never seen anything like that. And so, and that too um, was not emotionally prepared for. And so that was really my introduction. And, and then just growing through my life, um, that became a pattern that, because that is a powerful influence that when you see those images and then how you feel the arousal, and um, that became um, a coping mechanism for me. Uh, I, as you guys heard me talk about, I was in a horrible car wreck, uh, almost died, and um, that became uh, my drink. That's what I would go to, to alter my mood, to calm down, to fall asleep, to deal with pain, to deal with loneliness. Um, and so, and none of that had anything to do with intimacy. But I do want to say there was one common thread through all of it, even when I first saw him, and it was shame. I, I knew something was inherently wrong, that this was, because that's why you, they're hidden. And, and so my whole experience with sex 
growing up and maturing. And maturing would not be physically I was maturing, but emotionally and spiritually, it stunted my growth. And, um, and all it did was lead me to a very lonely, isolated, disconnected place. And the exact opposite of the intimacy that I believe God created us for and that I longed for, I missed. And, um, and that, uh, I look back on that, that was actually a very tragic experience for me. Yeah, to start with no concept of intimacy at all. None. And to just immediately jump into what you now know to be just lustful and shaming, yeah, that's, that's not, a, not a real good start for anyone. And then develop those patterns. How about you, Anna? What, what was your first introduction to sexuality or intimacy? Right. I would have to agree with Scott on the intimacy. The intimacy piece was never really introduced to me. I don't think I ever saw a healthy, intimate relationship modeled to me. Um, sexuality was introduced to me when I was uh, quite young. I remember asking the question all kids ask was, you know, where do babies come from? And I was sitting in the living room and my father gave me a very clinical explanation as to the mechanics of how babies are made. And I remember just being kind of grossed out by that. Um, but then um, I guess I began to understand more about sexuality. You know, when you're a kid, you're exposed to things other kids in the neighborhood might have, and you see things and you, you start to get a frame of ref reference for what sex is. Um, I do remember when I was fifth grade, I think, um, just starting to grow and change. And um, one day I was in the living room doing some stretches or some exercises or doing, tumbling around, whatever, being a kid. Um, and my mom coming in and um, just saying something to me about being too sexual and that my brother was coming home with his friends and that I needed to essentially behave myself. And I was like, what do you mean behave myself? Wow. I'm just playing here in the living room doing gymnastics. So um, I do remember like uh, feeling very shameful that like um, my sexuality was something that was not good or right or healthy. Um, and so... Or just being there somehow right, you... Yeah, right. that's... Yeah, that, um, yeah, that my changing body was something that I should be ashamed of, that I should keep hidden. Um, and that was a pretty common thread growing up. Just, um, you know, my mom and I definitely look at the world through different lenses uh, because of how she grew up, um, sadly victimized uh, sexually from the time she was young. So she came at it from a diver, very different lens. Um, but I just, you know, anytime I would put on a pretty dress or wear red nail polish or whatever, it felt like it was like a moral failure that I was trying to look attractive. Um, and, um, yeah, it was definitely a source of shame growing up. Um, never talked about in a healthy way. Um, my mom had a crisis pregnancy when she was a teenager and, that's what drove her into this unhealthy marriage that she had um, with my father. And so just I, the only thing that was really hammered home to me was like, you don't have sex and you wait until you're married. Um, but no discussion about what sex was or what intimacy was or what healthy relationships are. It was just a very negative. Um, there was no language put to it. And it was definitely um, girls should not be 
seen. Like they, you should be invisible essentially. So both of you started from a place of deficit, like just, it, which happens for a lot of us. Um, you know, a lot of us that have grown up in some kind of faith tradition or even just a home that did not have that kind of health that could express it or teach it. And so many of us do kind of start with an unhealthy place. But let's let's talk a little bit about um, desire and attraction and lust, because we're talking about some different things here. Like, and you kind of brought this up, Anna, like to be attractive or to be attracted to someone is is not the problem. Like, this is a God-given thing. We are desire, designed to desire, and attraction is a part of God's wiring for us. But can we talk just a little bit about that, about the difference between what a healthy attraction and a healthy desire is from lust and the shame that we're feeling? And Scott, we'll come back to you because you came from a place of lust was a driving force, and and that in in experiencing that, you began to suffer in intimacy. It was not helping at all. So maybe let's just start there. So can you help us understand how it, lust is different than from just healthy desire and attraction? Yeah, I mean, first of all, lust becomes the addiction. That's mm-hmm. what you become addicted to. And lust is a complete self selfish position. There has no care or concern for anyone else. It's, Lust for money, lust for food, lust for, you know, another human being. Um, So, again, since it's all about me and what I want and what I need and no concern to others, it's loneliness. And so, um, so that's what happens then is lust destroys love. And, um, and we can't even... And so, if, again, by me, by my experience of not developing emotionally and spiritually and being able to connect with a woman from that position to really have spent the time to build that foundation of this beautiful thing where spiritually and emotionally we're connected, we have intimacy, then the physical becomes a completion, I believe, of God's beautiful design. And that... Um, is one of the most beautiful spiritual experiences a person could ever have. Um, and, I, and I just want to say this, that just I'm in my mid-60s, and I'm just now learning that and having that experience. Um, and I feared, I did, I, I, I was terrified that I would never experience that in my life. But that has been my journey of recovery, is, uh, and I learned this ability to connect and have intimacy through the small groups over these last, all these years of doing this work. So it's interesting. It really, I, I, I can say there's everything in me. We were created for that. And, it, and it's so beautiful and it's, it's, it's life-changing. So it's, it's interesting. Like you make the connection that lust drove you to loneliness. It did. Or only led to loneliness. It, you know, it's almost like one could have a lot of sex and not have a whole lot of love and still be alone. Like, that that was your experience. Yeah, I wrote down what lust led me to emotionally. Fearful, guilt, mm. shame, isolation, loneliness, emptiness. I wrote it. It's just like a hole in the soul. Wow. And you're all alone. Like, lust at the very beginning is very attractive and, and draws you in, but ultimately over time it leads to that list you just you just read. That's... That's really powerful. How about you, Anna? 
um, just in regards to you came from a place of shame and right. repression. So shame and repression. Yeah, how did that play out into so your... So I think that also leads to great loneliness. While um, I've never been one to, like, I've never in my life had casual sex. I, you know, had a crisis pregnancy when I was a teenager and then um, waited to um, connect physically with somebody until I was a married woman. And I was taught through my faith tradition that, like, you know, you withhold that. And then once you connect physically, there is an automatic spiritual connection that's going to happen. And um, I can say that that is absolutely untrue. (laughs) I Mm. was married for years and connected faithfully um, with my husband and did not have a spiritual or healthy emotional connection um, because... One, um, I think all of my uh, needs and desires were repressed. I was never taught a healthy way to communicate about that. Uh, my spouse was the same way. Like he, I often tried to initiate like, hey, can we talk about this? And it was always put off. And it was just, um, unfortunately, I think just dealing with that immense shame with our sexuality that there's no words to put to it. So you cannot communicate openly even with your your devoted partner about um, how to have a healthy sexual connection, um, so it also led to a lot of isolation and loneliness. Even though I was in a very committed um, relationship, I was devastated because of just the isolation within there. So, you're both saying the spirituality of sexuality. Uh, it can lead to something life-giving and feeling deeply connected, or we could trust something that we think is mimicking what sexuality is that leads to disconnection and feeling more alone and so much dysfunction. So there are three components of healthy sexuality that work together, and you guys uh, do these in groups. Uh, There's obviously the physical connection, there's the emotional connection and the spiritual connection. So maybe we could talk a little about that. Um, obviously, the physical connection, um, maybe with a hug or physically <laughs> being present in the room, you guys you know, experience that. But it's the emotional and spiritual connection that is a very important part of developing that you guys experience this in a group. And Scott, you mentioned that your growth uh, emotionally um, was stunted as a result of this, by by your addiction. So maybe talk a little about that, how emotional connection and spiritual connection um, play out in groups, but also how it played out in your guys' lives, too. Well, it was in small groups. It was the first time ever in my life I've been vulnerable, honest, and, and just exposing all aspects of my life to other human beings and then receiving empathy. Because in all my other experiences in life, I hid. And, and if you have shameful addictions or any kind of patterns in your life, you just exposure is, is terrifying because you believe I'll be rejected. And so it was in groups that I risked for the first time. Here's really, here's everything about me. Here's the, here's the truth, the whole thing. And, and they said, and here's the message I got back. We believe in you. We are for you. And we'll never, ever abandon you. And what I heard through those people was Jesus saying that to me. And that was the beginning of me learning to trust. Um, and um, there is risk in intimacy, um, but that's the only way it's ever going to really grow is I may say something that this, they may not like, that you may not like, um, but are you willing to stay? 
you know, and that's what I've experienced in groups. Um, and then um, at this stage of my life, I, I've been in a relationship for the last six months, and I would say for the, and this is the truth, for the first time in my life, in my 60-some years on this planet, I have built a true connection with another human being uh, that uh, is intimacy, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, I'm, it's like I'm whole with this person. Um, and that, I, I was going to say, I've talked to you guys about when we were prepping for this, that I, I, did the, I read this study on the health benefits of sex. And it was saying it's, there's a lot. And endorphins, serotonin levels go up. Um, but there was a little caveat to it. They said that not all forms of sex provide that. That where Interesting. there's true connection and Im- intimacy and love and it's sharing, that was the healthy form. And so... Um, the one that God's actually given us that the one often we're not taught yeah. early on. And that's why I can say that... The, the the intimacy that I'm experiencing with this person I'm in a relationship with now is the most spiritual experience I've ever had in my life because it's 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 a byproduct of this foundation of true intimacy, which we talked about last week, the spiritual and the emotional. Um, now you're sharing something together and it's it's the most beautiful thing. Now would you guys say this, that maybe our understanding of sexuality needs to broaden? Um, maybe we start too limited and even in a very unhealthy place. And um, would you guys agree with this, that it's a fire, so it's so powerful and, and so precious and close to the heart and the soul of a person that it either gives life or potentially it takes it away? Like we're talking about the kind of sexuality the spirituality of sexuality we're talking about is this thing that actually fills us with life. And so um, maybe we need to broaden that a little bit. And in a lot of faith circles, it doesn't start from the place of good or beautiful um, as a sacred energy given us to by, by God to be experienced in every cell of our being. But actually maybe, and, and Anna, maybe you could speak to this, by its very nature, it's, uh, it's like intimacy is a total giving a total trust of another and, and of yourself to another and of, of total commitment. So like intimacy that you guys are talking about really does take us further and deeper into something that is life-giving. So Anna, for you, how, how is some of this, you know, being lived out in you? What are you learning? What are you growing in? What are you, yeah. I am growing in my capacity for um, just the emotional and spiritual health. So that when the time is right, <laughs> that physical connection will be complete. Um, and I think that is crucial. That's what we can learn in, in groups and in, in healthy relationships is um, to be, you know, fully connected on an emotional level and in a spiritual level with another person. Um, but I think the piece that is missing for so many people, honestly, is, um, is self-love and self-acceptance. I think there are so many hurting people out there that are looking Mm. for another person to fill them and complete them and validate them. And that is something that, um, actually group has been so helpful in just really coming to a place of self acceptance of healing the wounds that have been a part of my life for so long and understanding that I do not need another person to make me whole. 
And once I get to that point of just healing and self-love and self-acceptance, then I'm going to be in a place of health to be able to um, connect with a person so that I'm not, um, I'm not drawing from them. I'm not coming from a place of deficit, but I'm, I'm coming from um, a place of fullness and wholeness. Um, I love that because what you're saying is, is that, uh, yes, self-love mm-hmm. has to emanate from within, but it could be helped by others. So what you're talking about in groups, it's not someone doing the work of you just sitting there and everyone affirming you. But it, yeah, it's you uh, deepening in self-awareness and expressing who you are and the things that you've been through. And then what you find is others who affirm you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're doing good. You're, you know, you're, you're, and you're not alone in this. So there is that something internal within that we need to be deepening and understanding who we are and um, how we bring ourselves to the world, but we do need each other, right? We to, do to affirm that. So it's both. It's both some some personal right. work, inner work, and, and, and some encouragement from yes, others. Exactly, it's both. Scott, how about how about for you? Um, what are you growing in, practicing right now, experiencing that? Well, I think it, I think it's pretty amazing that at this stage of life, you can still grow and learn intimacy. Mm-hmm. That it's never too late. Uh, if you'll work for it. And, you know, I was thinking that, um, I, I mean, there's no way I can even begin to share with you how lonely this journey has been for me. Um, because it's like I got behind on everything, stunted my growth, entered into relationships dysfunctional, and a little bit like what you just said, it seems like every relationship I entered into, I was entering into from a place of deficit. I didn't really have anything to give. I was so needy. And, um, and then because of how lust had captured my sexual life, um, you know, it's like any addiction. You, you have something, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And it, you, you're always thirsty. And when Jesus meets the woman at the well, and says, and that's one of my favorite verses ever in the Bible, especially from my own journey. He, he meets that woman there, and she comes to the well at noon when there's nobody there because she's ashamed. And he tells her to go, go get your husband. She goes, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, I know you've been, I think he says you've been married five times. And the man you're living with now. So Jesus knows her human condition, which is exactly... I could relate to that feeling. And he says to her the most beautiful thing, if you keep trying to draw life from this water, it will always leave you thirsty. It will never satisfy. But if you drink of the water I give you, you will never be thirsty again. To me, that is a great way to define my journey of what I've found. I was a woman at the well, shamed, thirsty, always thirsty. And then I met Christ and he changed me and taught me intimacy. I drink of a different water now. And, uh, and I have found that uh, there isn't anything as gratifying, as life-changing as intimacy. And um, I do believe that when we do, when we become intimate with ourselves, in other words, I did the inner work. Yeah, the self-love that Anna's talking exactly, about. Exactly. Yeah. Then this something grows in me to where I have now an abundance. Mm. I actually, my cup is overflowing, and I can enter into relationships 
from a place I have so much to offer, so much to give. But, but I just want to make this key point. Fear. Fear is a big deal. And um, we're, gonna, we're afraid to let go of the things that we have learned that even though they're dysfunctional, you know, in some ways they give us a sense of comfort and control, even though they make us lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. So to put down that cup and to drink of the cup of Christ and to do the inner work and then enter into relationship from that position and then experience the true intimacy that we were created for. So that's why what we talked about in our last podcast and this, God made us physical, spiritual, and mental. When all three come together and work as one, it's the most beautiful experience. And that is what we were created for. And, and I can, I'm smiling because I'm like, I'm finally experiencing it. <laughs> and, and, and I was afraid I would not before I die. And that's so hopeful for all of us that no matter where you are in life or how far along the journey or if you're at the very beginning, that when you finally awaken to this, it really is life-giving. Man, it's, it's like what we've been saying, though. I learned this. This journey has been in small groups. Yeah. And now I'm able to take that into a personal relationship and make it work. It's And Anna, listening to Scott, like that is self-love. Him, the awareness that that this lust is making him more selfish, <laughs> which is not really helping him at all. And you don't really realize that in the beginning. But then also that it's insatiable. The more that you tried to find it in that, and what you're talking about, that self-love is that awakening to this dysfunction or the ways that we're going about trying to satisfy this that are just entirely unhealthy. Um, so uh, any more just as far as what you've experienced in group or what you've been witnessing in group about this? I think people just uh, would never suspect how much healing can happen in such a short time um, when you are willing to authentically dig into your story, to look at your life in a very honest way um, and share that with others and just receive that empathy and that encouragement. Um, it is more healing, I think, than can possibly be expressed. Um, so I would That's encourage you listeners, if you yeah. have anything in your life that you feel like I am not whole, come join a group and see how you can be healed. That's very encouraging to know that as we awaken to this and as others affirm that, that we can, we can make up ground quicker than we might imagine, even though we've maybe dug ourselves in a deep hole. There isn't anything that God can't reach into and pull us up out of if we're willing to take the risk. Risk, interesting, is such a great word because it ends up being at the heart of intimacy. Yeah. You can't love without risking. That, that's a key. Because it, it is truly a giving of yourself. It is a trusting um, so yeah, that's, that's at the heart of it. So it's, go ahead. So we know the studies have shown that, that our society has a loneliness epidemic. And then you look at the sexual saturation of our society. It just makes it lonelier. And, and again, when a, God's beautiful, perfect design gets warped and, um, and, and then drives us actually 
further away from what the true intimacy that we were created for. So it all begins with awareness. Because if I can't see the truth, the truth that sets me free. Um, that's why we know awareness is the beginning of all transformation. And it doesn't matter how old you are, God can Never reach you. Never too old, people. Well, <laughs> and two things to take away um, is that perhaps our in our faith, in our Christianity, in our spiritual journey, we need to learn to celebrate the sacred goodness of our sexuality. Start there, right? right. Like it, it all is good. Yeah, start start from this place of goodness and beauty. But I think I'm hearing you guys also say that our culture must admit the emotional pain and the chaos um, resulting from trivializing sex, and it's so casual. And then uh, our our willingness to to think that somehow lust or an unhealthy way of of pursuing that is gonna is gonna get us there. We need both those things. So start from a place of goodness, and let's admit and be honest about just the chaos that this dysfunction of not understanding sexuality brings into our lives. And that's what you guys do in group. You help us get started with that. You know, um, Brene Brown teaches that hope can be cultivated. It can be learned. It can be developed. And I say, I've experienced the same thing with intimacy. I had an intimacy disorder. I was dysfunctional in intimacy the majority of my life. And late in life, I get into recovery. And in recovery, I learn intimacy, I develop it, it's cultivated. And then all that I learned in that, now I've experienced in a relationship at this stage of my life. For the first time, I can truly say, I have a beautiful, intimate relationship with another human being. And the big difference is, in all the relationships I was in before, because of my dysfunction, I was lonely. And I was not able to give, because I couldn't give anything that I didn't have. And now, through the, all the work of all these years in this process with God, you know, it's, it's just never too late. Or whenever you decide to start the journey, intimacy can be cultivated, it can be learned, and there's not a more beautiful thing you'll ever experience that will, I think, ultimately transform and change every aspect of your life. Because that's what God created us for, intimacy. You heard it from Scott and Anna, uh, healthy sexuality maybe one of the single most powerful vehicles there is to lead us to selflessness and joy, just as an unhealthy spirituality might lead us to selfishness and unhappiness. So that no matter where you find yourself on the journey, please hear um, the voice of hope, the voice of that even if you find yourself in an unsatisfying relationship and you're just going crazy trying to figure this out, that... There is hope for every single one of us. And if the Restore could help you by being a part of one of their small groups or just reaching out to them to find ways to uh, get connected to things that will guide you on the path of transformation in regards to healthy sexuality, please reach out to them and call them. You can visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about online and in-person groups that you can participate in. But until we meet back here again, may each of you know just how loved and how valuable you are and how much healthy sexuality can just lead us to the kind of intimacy that we were made to experience. But until we meet back here again, friends, take care. <laughs>